Hey, boys and girls, we are back for another excellent edition of My Thai Happy Hour. I'm George. This is... It's Hambone. And we are in the studio again after taking a slight leave of ab- absence last week. Sorry, Hambone had something stuck in his throat. I literally had a piece of steak stuck in my throat. I really thought you were just lying to me to like get me to not do the show. Absolutely not. I was like, the, I mean, of the excuses you could give me... The one I was not expecting was there's a giant piece of steak lodged in my throat. The the go-to excuse for, I think, everybody is always and should be diarrhea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, of course, you'd be like, well, I'll just plug it up and come over. Yeah. But, no, I actually had a piece of steak stuck in my throat, and it was wildly uncomfortable. Well, I forgot about your esophagus. I have a smaller than normal esophagus. I was not expecting that. So, you know, obviously the esophagus troubles have been taken care of. Same so-so. Are you going to get it stretched again? I'm probably going to get it stretched again. Uh, I have to go for a follow-up with my doctor, but I'm traveling so much, it's kind of hard to lock it in. Yeah, I don't want to learn more about locking in your esophagus. What I do want to know about is what do we have in store today, Hambone. So tonight we are going to talk about the drama unfolding right now between Sony and Marvel over Spider-Man. We have another edition of the Punk Rock Cannon. Tonight it's Punk and Drublick. Will it make it into the Punk Rock Cannon? We've also got the scoop on the 90210 reunion that's happening now on Fox TV. And you're going to do a recap of The Handmaid's Tale. Yes, I'm excited to talk Handmaid's Tale. It was happy this year. Or I, like, I as, don't believe you. As happy as it can get for uh, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, but first off, as we do every week, give us a cocktail, Hambone. So, in honor, I guess, of Spider-Man's turmoil... I went with the drink of his mentor from the Tipsy Bartender. The recipe is called the Iron Man. Now, this is also a great recipe that if one of your friends got you those glow-in-the-dark ice cubes from Think Geek, you're finally going to have a use for them. So what this is is grenadine, strawberry liqueur, rum, peach schnapps, triple sec, pineapple orange juice, and a splash of Sprite. Now, what you're going to do is this. You're going to take a half ounce of grenadine mm-hmm. and a half ounce of strawberry liqueur. Now, this is not going to be a shaken drink like we normally do this is going to be a pour in the glass sip and serve so you're going to take a half ounce of grenadine and what i recommend is you take the glass hold it at an angle and just pour the grenadine into the glass so it kind of cascades and ripples around the glass you're going to pour an ounce of strawberry liqueur strawberry snops uh and you know the company that makes razzmatazz dicoper you could probably get some from there dump that in the very bottom of the glass then you're going to add in an ounce of rum a half ounce of peach schnapps a half ounce of triple sec And then you're going to add in some regular ice cubes, top it with pineapple orange juice, and then you're going to add a splash of Sprite. Now, here's the thing. If you do have those glow-in-the-dark ice cubes for Think Geek, now's the time to use them. That's going to actually make the glass glow. Otherwise, you're going to be good to go. Not a lot of work goes into this. You just pour, stir, sip. Mm -hmm. I I always get Think Geek confused with Geek Tiki. I think they work together now because now they have those geeky tiki's that they sell on ThinkGeek. And they have a store, too. Do you know there is a, I think it's in San Diego or, or Los Angeles? There are several stores. There's one in the Palisades Park Mall. Really? Yeah. Uh, the Geek Tiki or ThinkGeek? ThinkGeek. ThinkGeek. Okay. Uh, I think there's actually a Geek Tiki store in Los Angeles that I've not been to. but I'm I want to go to Definitely there. want to check it out. Um, a lot of things going on today. Again, we had a whole different show planned. And then a friend of ours uh, mentioned that... 
that Spider-Man and, and Disney huge falling out. This seems like, like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Like, I can't quite understand what is going on. Uh, I, again, breaking news as of a, about an hour or so, so ago, we found out that negotiations between Fox and Disney have gone south. And they're not, uh, they're possibly not going to be, there's possibly be no more Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are your, what are your thoughts, Hambo? Initially, like, what were you thinking when I told you? Spider-Man no more. My initial thoughts were, fuck these motherfuckers. And fuck them in the horse that they rode in on. In the end of the day, the only people who actually lose in this whole scenario are the fans. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, we as a fandom in general, we're so excited to see Spider-Man as part of the bigger Marvel Cinematic Universe. And also, we've seen enough shitty Spider-Man movies, we don't need another Sony Spider-Man movie on their own because clearly they're incapable of making a good Spider-Man movie with the exception of Into the Spider-Verse, which was an animated film, arguably the best Spider-Man movie ever made. But when it comes to live action, they needed Marvel's help to make Spider-Man awesome for our generation. I think it's really sad because Spider-Man was dead before he joined the Cinematic Universe. They had done the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 that I think nobody saw. Uh, the first one they did, the second one was so bad, it rode Spider-Man into the ground. Like You're like, how do you make a Spider-Man movie that doesn't like make money? Because Spider-Man should print money at all times. This was the moment where he fully jumped the shark in cinema. That movie was terrible. Have you seen the two that came oh, yeah. after Spider-Man 3? I actually very much enjoyed the first Andrew Garfield movie. Mm-hmm. And the second one, I actually sat in the movie with our friend Sean. Our friend Ian was there. Our friend George was there. And as we walk out of the theater, my friend Sean looks me dead in the eye. He looks all of us dead in the eye, and he says, if anyone liked that movie, we're no longer friends. It was that bad. Worse than Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah. There was a dancing sequence in Spider-Man 3. <sighs> yeah. But there was like a song with the electro in this movie that was i would say equally worse and just overall it was just like putting 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag i just was so over spider-man origin movies i don't want to ever see one again and we got hammered with them so hard and when marvel marvel finally got their mitts on spider-man through this deal that they worked out they were able to at least you know do a spider-man without having to go through you know peter parker losing his parents again aunt may you know uncle Ben, all that stuff. And and we got a Spider-Man that we could truly love and identify with. We had such a great film just now that came out. Amazing. And and now we're left wondering what's going to happen. It looks like they have two more films that they're planning on making with Spider-Man, with this Spider-Man. Maybe it's a contract where they only have four movies with him. I don't know. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this happens without Kevin Feige's like, fingers all over it. I think there's a lot of variables. I think that at this current moment, like, I get it. I get with Sony, of course. They saw, I mean, look, they saw how much, it's not surprising, they saw how much money that they can make with Spider-Man when someone competent is actually at the helm. And, oh, lo and behold, they're re-releasing it into theaters with an extra scene because currently this Spider-Man movie is the highest grossing movie ever for a Sony picture. And so they're like, oh, well, the money's there. We should be getting more of this money because he's our character. But at the end of the day, you couldn't do it without Kevin Feige. That money that you're you're drooling over right now doesn't exist without the bigger MCU. So I get they want to get a bigger piece of the pie. They feel like they're owed. At the same time, though, you walk away from the table, there's no pie. Yep, and, and they want 50-50. Right. They want 50-50, but I, I don't know. And again, I'm not behind the scenes. I have no inside knowledge. I don't know how much Sony contributes other than having the license to the name right. for the character that Disney and Marvel own. Yes. But uh, you know, I don't know if they financially back the 
the, well, actually, I, I apologize. It's Disney who wants a 50-50 split. Right. Disney wants a 50-50 50 split. 50-50 split. And I'm just curious to see how, if it's a 50-50 actual deal right now. Like, how much work goes into it? How much production? Obviously, marketing has to play a big part in this. I will say that I know everyone's really upset right now. I was upset, too. My knee-jerk reaction was very upset. I hadn't had my dinner yet. I was hangry. That said, I don't think it's done yet. I don't think we're done yet. I don't. I think that this is just... It's typical. We're going to leak this news. We're going to let people know to get people very upset because, of course, Marvel is trying to galvanize the fans to really put the the boots to Sony, so Sony has to kind of heal and just give up what they need to give up. I don't think it's dead yet, though. I think that there is too much money to be lost by both parties that they're going to just walk away from the table right now, especially when, in the end of the day, Marvel just got the Fantastic Four and the X-Men back. They could just keep on trucking and just leave Sony and Sad Spider Man in the dust. So, but to, to, playing devil's advocate here, uh, Sony devil. Sony did reveal release a, a, a tremendous tremendous movie called Venom a year ago or so. You are and so high. This could be a chance be. for them to really do Spider Man and Venom correctly. Venom it, was a terrible movie. No, it was not. It was a garbage film, and it was le- you know it left off of the cliffhanger. So we know we're gonna get a Carnage movie. You do not like it. Nothing will go. Can you maybe go back and revisit Venom once? I watched it twice, and I'll tell you why I watched it twice. I watched it once, and I hated it. I watched it twice because you were like, no, Hambone, this movie is so great. I watched it. It's really good. you got to give it a chance, and I did. Against my better judgment, I trusted you. And I went back, and I watched that dumpster fire that was Venom, and it was a bad movie. And it just made me in my soul go, oh, God. Well, thank God that Marvel has access to Spider-Man, and we don't have to worry about him getting cocked up in this universe. Can you at least admit that that was the best version of Venom that's ever been on the silver screen? Yeah, but there's there's no real comparison because Venom was garbage on the silver screen before, so anything would be an improvement. But it was a terrible, a terrible depiction of the character, a terrible interpretation of the character. Like, were we watching the same movie? I, I don't know, because I found it to be one of the best buddy cop movies I've ever seen. I'd put it up there with uh, Bad Boys and and I don't know. Yeah. Listen, man, you know I love a buddy cop movie. Like you, you say buddy cop movie, you're speaking my language. Die Hard here. Three. I'd put it up there with Die Hard Three. It, it was no Die Hard Three. It was it was at least it's just Die Hard Three. Um, is they say there is a chance that you know obviously things have stalled does not necessarily mean that they might fall through. I mean, it is possible that this is also Disney swinging their balls and putting it public uh, yes. to cause Fox to choke a little bit. Uh, if you remember correctly, a lot of this all stemmed from those emails that leaked back when that horrible movie about North Korea came out. Oh, remember? Yeah, all those Sony. All the I don't remember what the movie was called. If With anybody, Seth if, you, if you remember, and, uh, please let us know. But that movie came out, and and all those emails leaked out. And one of the big ones was, why the hell can't we make Spider-Man good? Like, why is Marvel printing money? And at the end of the day, they, it looks like they gave up trying to make it good and partnered to make it good, which is a great idea. Which is great, because everyone wins, including but, the fans, who have been left with a cliffhanger. God. Why would you do this? This is bad. This is bad. This, I, so, you know what? In my gut, I feel like this is going to turn out okay in the end. Yeah, because they're going to end up getting to the table. Money's going to be exchanged. Spider-Man's still going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Bob's your uncle, and everyone goes home happy. God. Does Sony own anything else? No, I think they gave up Ghost Rider, right? Yeah. Ghost Rider was Paramount. Is Paramount Sony? (sighs) No, Paramount was the original Marvel Cinematic Universe, back with Iron Man. And and Paramount was Fox. Yeah, no, so all they have is Spider-Man and Spider-Man characters. And actually, you know, the thing that really perplexes me and really gets me all... 
gets me all excited is that like you know we started finally seeing really good depictions of spider-man's rogue gallery like mysterio was fantastic in this movie like you're you're starting to the vulture holy crap they did a great job with the vulture like you're finally starting to see this stuff happen and they're just like oh yeah but we're gonna just and i just think it's bullshit i bet this is all marvel's fault uh disney marvel just you know swinging dick a little bit and trying to make it look you know like sony's jerks so there's a lot of hot takes happening here, folks. Cooler heads will prevail. I'm excited. Uh, I am a little friends. Spider-Man's not my favorite character. I mean, in general. I love him. He's he's great. I, I, this character, this version of Spider-Man's actually made me like Spider-Man. Yeah. But in general, I always found him to be kind of a eh. In the in the comic book universe, especially with Peter Parker. He, You're an X-Men guy. Look, you can land a Mary Jane person. Like, what else is it? You end, He ended up becoming... A cartoon character, the people that used to beat him up towards the end of, I don't know, when I was reading. So the 90s, I guess. Mm. It was Todd McFarlane who made Spider-Man cool again. Yeah. And mostly by beating him down and beating him down and beating him down. Oh, those first McFarlane books were brutal. So good. So good. The Craven, yeah. the Hunter storylines. Just put a, put the, a hurt on The him. Lizard. That was, that was some great comic book stuff. I need to go back and revisit it. I haven't read it since then. And I, I have a feeling it probably still holds up. I bet. Uh, next conversation, uh, delving into the punk rock canon. Yes. We haven't done this in a while. The last thing we did was Blink-182. Blink-182 uh, did not get into the punk rock canon. Unsurprising to uh, no I, one. I, I don't know. We got to find a better way to poll. I yeah. feel like that's what we need to do. I just haven't found a way to do it Is yet. Is there a, po- a way to poll on Twitter? Uh, yes, but I don't know. We, we'll try. We'll see. I just find that my punk rock engagement isn't quite as good yeah. on on Twitter as my geek engagement. So it kind of I'm not quite sure, but we could play around with it. We're gonna I, figure it out. I mean, we don't have a mailing list, We're scientists, so we can't like yeah send an email out to people and have yeah. them vote. It's kind of tough. So we have to rely mostly on our punk rock friends voting and claiming that there's kind of a good cross section of humanity in punk rock. I'm sure there's some kind of app we could use where we could put a survey up. We'd be like, yeah, click the link on this app, do the survey. So this month I put on the table Punk and Trublick by No Effects. Yeah. Another album from that era, from the mid-90s. This was No Effects' biggest album. Uh, it turned 25 last month. Yeah, it's their fifth album released in 1994 in Epitaph Records. Yeah, crazy. crazy. It is crazy. I remember buying it in Greece. I have an alternative colored cover. Yeah. And uh, I, I was super excited to get it. I don't know why. I probably spent so much more buying it in Greece and waiting to get it at Let It Rock, but I really wanted this album. They were coming off of a White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean, which is one of my favorite No Effects albums. That one was uh, probably their, them at their musical best. Right. Uh, so they were trying different things. They came off Ribbed, which is also a great record. Albeit funnier. You don't remember Ribbed? You don't like Ribbed? I don't like Ribbed. Ribbed is so popular, they just released an entire live album just of, of Ribbed. Are you sure you're not confusing it? No, I. Oh, you know what? SNM, SNM Airlines. Airlines. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's where I thought you were going. Ribbed we'll is like back. a perfect 25 minute yeah. album. White Trash is incredible. Love it. Like just sold out. Just some of the best songs ever. I think it's their best record. Bob. Uh, you can't play the song on the radio. Yep. It's great, but consistently, I feel uh, Punk and Drublick is is a classic record. It got a lot of people turned on to punk rock and no effects. And I feel that it, it probably look if this doesn't get in, maybe we do White Trash another time, right? Uh, maybe Ribbed another time. But I feel that this one is probably the one that we should do first for no effects. Okay. And uh, look, here's the here's the thing with them. They again, this album was a commercial success. It was their only gold album. They had a video that supposedly appeared on MTV for Leave It Alone, which I've never seen. Allegedly. But I have it on a Peep Show DVD VHS, I guess. Yeah, of course. Or, or Cinema Beer Goggles. 
There you go. Which was like where you would get punk rock videos back in the day when you couldn't get them on, on you know, you'd have to go to the box. Oh, my God. Yeah. You'd have to pay for the box. Yes, pay for the box. Remember the box? Yeah. We've never talked about the box. We've never talked about the box. The box is- inc- What's in the box? Yeah. So good. They would play any video. Did you ever pay for a video on the box? Uh, no. I mean, it was, you needed a credit card, I believe. You did. Or was a 900 number. That would have gotten me in big trouble. Oh my god! Well, yeah, because it was like I was like two bucks a song at the time. To hear Green Jelly. To, ooh, yeah. Maybe one day we try to put one of their albums in this. I, I think Green Jelly would be considered punk rock. Like nowadays. a lead fart in charge, but it ain't going over. Uh, so much like Bad Religion, uh, No Effects is obviously at a major place in in modern punk rock history. Uh, Fat Records alone is a giant. Uh, beast in the punk rock movement, uh, record one of the biggest indie record labels of all time, uh, released incredible albums from Face to Face, Rise Against Good Riddance, uh, uh, created by Fat Mike, the lead singer of Fat Records, uh, well known for his debauchery and oh yeah and addictions and just being a, a madman. Yeah, you know, but like like it's almost like if your dad became a madman though. It's not like he's never because he was never like really messed up when he was younger it kind of just appeared later in life so there was always the stories of fat mike that you'd hear but this is all pre-internet this is all you know before everything was like taking video and being shared within seconds you know you'd heard he was a wild man when you finally really got to see fat mike like really experience fat mike it was on that Fuse TV show where they were on tour, and it was like like a tour diary of No Effects's tour, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, like he was very open about like you know what he was into, but you never really got to see the version of Fat Mike that you'd heard about. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it's a very different thing. And now, forget about it. It's like we are far past that point where like anyone actually cares. Like you know, the rambunctious rock and roller, like you'd be in and out of the news in like 15 seconds because everything moves so fast now. And it's just, you know, like I'm shocked that superhuman is still like going as strong as he is with everything, just things happening and other people kind of getting into the spotlight. I think no effects also really personified the DIY um, way of doing things. Right. Especially, you know, they were from uh, more of an impoverished area of uh, Los Angeles. I believe the fat Mike's mom was a maid for Beverly Hills households. And And that's what the book said. Yeah, I believe that's what the book. Did you read the book? I did. So they do have a book out in stores now. It is The Hepatitis Bathtub and Other Stories. It's an oral history of no effects actually told by the band. Yeah, it's like the dirt, but there's no good ending because, I don't know, I just felt like it just kind of just dwindles and ends. It's like the dirt light. I think there's another story to be told, and maybe it will be told later on. In fairness, though, the dirt kind of peters off at the end. Mm, I just got the audiobook version of it. Oh, my God. Who reads it? Uh, I, I, no one that you would know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of excited to hear how what it sounds like, but I, I, I'm, you know, I just wanted to revisit it post-TV show. Yeah. So I got the Oof. dirt. I also got the audio version of our band that could be your life, which just came out, See, too. See, that I would be interested and in. I think that's done by different people. Again, hopefully it's better in the Beastie Boys book which was a little wonky because it was done by celebrities. So every time I would hear someone, you know, name a celebrity who was on there, everybody, uh, I would just be taken out because I'd be thinking of them instead right. of 
instead of the character. Like, yep. oh, it's Spike Jones. It's not. It's not Mike D. Yeah. Very very strange. But going back to No Effects, uh, the the album itself was awesome. Linoleum kicking it off about having nothing but the dirt in your pocket could possibly be the best song they've ever written. One of the best ones. I leave it alone. Great song. The cause. Don't call me white. I didn't even remember. Forgot. Don't call me whites on this record. Perfect government. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Lori Myers, uh, Jeff Wears Birkenstocks, Rico, Happy Guy. I mean, there's so much good stuff on here, but The Brew, uh, the story about uh, Jewish skinheads and becoming the rallying cry yeah. for, for, for non, you know, anti-fascist Jewish skinheads. I don't know where he was uh. going with this. But it was it, it's such a great song. It's become their. I mean, it's kind of very ahead of its time with with everything that's going on. Yeah, they, you know? I mean, they closed with they closed with it every show. It's their bro him. It is incredible. The album is good from start to finish. If you haven't listened to it, stop now. Go listen to it. Let us know what you think. However, I will say there are some cons to No Effects. I mean, first of all, uh, they are consistently one of the worst band live. We're, we're, absolutely, without a doubt. Like, just I've seen shows where they've done one song and then proceed to do bad jokes for a half hour. Yeah, no one likes a jokey band. Just going to put that out and there. And it's like there are some bands I see that are – there's better shows than other shows, but there's – it's like nine out of ten shows are pretty horrible. They did a album, I'd say midway through the career. I heard they suck live was actually the name of the live record. Came out after Punk and Drublick. It sucked. It, yeah, actually, I disagree. It wasn't good. No, 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 no. That was not a bad album because that was a you know a joke on it because they did cut apart all their bad shit and did a straight up album that they controlled. And I thought it was very good. I think that was a joke on it. I have seen terrible no effects songs. I have to. Like literally, they've done. They did. Don't, they did kill all the white men, and they performed it for an hour. I've yeah. seen such bad shows. You cannot say I heard they suck live is really that bad. It's more just you know, at the time, live albums weren't produced quite as well. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yes, it is. Another thing, Fat Mike's voice acquired taste for everybody. Oh yeah. That's a tough one. See, it's funny because I love him in Me First and the Gimme Gimmies because I feel like there's... He doesn't uh, sing. Yeah, well, that's that's for one. Yeah. Two, uh, other people like kind of wrangling him and kind of keeping him in check. So, you know, I've seen Me First and the Gimme Gimmies live with Mike. I've seen Me First and the Gimme Gimmies live with Jay Bentley. Mm -hmm. And both great experiences, both different kinds of parties. Uh, I've seen good no-effect shows. I've seen not so good no-effect shows. So they really do run the spectrum. There's not really a whole lot of consistency. The consistency, I think, comes in the songs that they write. Mm -hmm. And as far as that goes, I would argue that White Trash is the more influential record than Punk and Drublick, and that Punk and Drublick is about seven songs too long. Uh, I got to argue against that. I just feel that White Trash, while it was great, Never, I, I think most of the people that are influenced by them now were started with Punk and Drublick. And I think White Trash never really had it, was it came out before everything blew up. It was like 1993, they were on tour with Fishbone at the time because I remember seeing them on that tour. I just don't think there was the level of appreciation for them that came with Punk and Drublick. Uh, I will also say that after Punk and Drublick, with the exception, they had it became very hit or miss album wise with them. Oh, yeah. Like, Heavy Petting Zoo is their worst album. And then there was other bad albums, but, uh, you know, other than, like, War on Errorism, and maybe their last album I thought was very good, too, there haven't been any incredible no-effects albums. So I would argue the two best 
White Trash, uh, Punk and Drublick. The one where he talks about like the coasters, mm-hmm. which is a more recent record. I didn't like that one. I thought that was fantastic. And the decline, the seventeen-minute, uh... the, the one, the one song record. I think that's their four best works, and that's the true scope of the band. Everything else is kind of. You, you need to go back and listen to Ribbed. Hit or miss. You're, 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 come on, Moron Bros. Um, no, 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 no. Ribbed is fine. I was very confused with SM Airlines. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm not going to argue that because you're yeah. clearly confused tonight. But because, I mean, look, you think White Trash is better than Punk and Drublick, so uh, clearly you're confused. I do. So uh, on, on, a, on a good note, uh, they are, you know, they're hugely influential. I'd say everyone from Sum 41 to Blink-182 to Lagwagon would not exist today. 100%. If it wasn't for no effects. That whole sound, yep. that whole Fat Wreck sound would not exist I, without no effects. I feel everybody else that came after was a watered-down version of them. 100%. Because they had no filters at all. Especially I mean, Lagwagon. You know, up to, in, well, Lagwagon, Lagwagon, Lagwagon. We've done the Lagwagon album on here, too, didn't we? Wow. I don't think that got in. Well, no. I mean, there was... I don't think there's been a Fat Records album in here. The, the Lagwagon, uh, Punk and Cannon, was a little bit of a faux pas. Yeah, that was that was a little tough. I think we might need to revisit Lagwagon again. Uh, I, I feel like they did influence a, a whole generation of, of music. I think No Effects, to this day, are still... Doing stuff though, I'm not quite sure. Oh, they're causing problems, obviously. Oh, yeah. You know, telling people, you know, yeah. at a Las Vegas con- concert that at least people aren't dying at their concerts. Uh, you know, there, there's poor tastes, and uh, then there's you know, no effects. They've got their own version of the Warp Tour, the Punk and Drublick Tour that they are on th- this year. Unlike oh, they last didn't year. get kicked off. Their no, own they tour. didn't get kicked off yeah. this year. Guys, there's a certain point where saying outlandish shit just stops being cute, and then in poor taste. So, what are your thoughts? I've been talking a lot. You have been talking a lot. Yes, talk, yeah. please. Uh, my, I took, you know, I took my, I, like, they gave me my bonus meds now at 3 o'clock, and that woo. keeps me going till like, 10. Good for you. Good for us. Good for the show. Uh, I would argue, especially kind of my ground truth of it was White Trash was the more influential album around here um, with everyone that I knew. Like, people loved Punk and Droplet, but I felt like White Trash was a little more real punk rock for what no effects was doing and punk and Drubic was a little more like we are dipping our toe and crossing over into somewhat of the mainstream so like you know everyone around here was like punk um oh white trash so i'm gonna go white trash i say punk and Drubic does not go this isn't a versus this isn't a versus episode you can't go white trash over this i know but that's why i'm, I'm deciding against putting punk and Drubic in because i think there's a record that deserves to be in more than punk and like Drublic. if you had said versus record we would have done a versus record today i know but i'm giving you my argument all right so you're saying punk and Drublic does no. not deserve to be in the punk rock canon Shut I, it down. I, I i think much like outcome the wolves and smash and stranger in fiction this absolutely deserves to be in the punk rock canon i think no effects has truly changed uh, what n- punk rock means to this generation, not our generation. They were, you know, new back then, even though they haven't. They've been around forever. But, you know, to this... For a long time. Forever, forever. Yeah. They, it, like, but they didn't do anything from, like, it's like bad religion. Like, they didn't do anything till 89 after their, yeah. you know, their, like six years of nothing. Speaking of which, what's up with Jay Bentley? Dude, I don't know. Like, that's weirding me out. Anybody who does know the lead singer, uh, not the lead singer, the bass player of Bad Religion, original member, one of the the heart and soul of the band, has been doing very weird stuff at shows. He's like vague booking. We talked about it last time where at the concert he did this whole, like, four-minute, like, thank you to the audience for everything that they've done for him. Very much like Bad Religion's breaking up or I'm leaving the band. Most recently posted a post on 
on his Instagram that was like, you know, this has been such a great thing. And, and, and it sounds like he's either leaving the band or the band's breaking up. I don't think it's the latter. I, I don't. I could never see a time where he leaves Bad Religion or Bad Religion just stops. And, and I said it during last week's episode that I thought they were happier than they've ever been in this tour. And he looks fantastic. The band looks sober and healthy. Everyone I don't looks know. great. I, I don't know what, what the issue could be. Obviously, family things could get in the way. And we're not judging here. If he wants to leave the band for a little bit, that's great. Um, you know, Bad Religion could definitely, if they were breaking up, could do a massive tour to close that out. That's what I mean. I mean, there's there's money to be made by saying that this is the end. Like, you don't just kind of willy-nilly go into it and like, oh, yeah, we, we broke up. Like, when you are, like, that age, you know, our age or older, and you are retiring, you need to get that retirement money. Yep. You need to get paid by people who are like, oh, my God, I'm never going to see this band again. I'm going to buy this $40 T-shirt, and I'm going to, like, fly the city and go see them play a band. And Bad Religions even charge $40 for a T-shirt. They're very much in the $25 range. But when you say you're going to go, you could charge $40. Uh, i am getting weirded out by this. I hope it's nothing too bad. Yeah, me too. I, I, love, the, I love Bad Religion too much to see this. We uh, love you. Wish you the best of luck, buddy. Yeah. Uh, not that you're listening, but if you were, we appreciate you. You don't know. It's Jay the internet. Bentley. People are on the internet. Yeah. He's on the internet. Uh, probably. Anyway, no effects. I vote them in. At the end of the day, you're the one who chooses. Uh, po- I'll post a poll somewhere and let everybody know uh, whether Punk and Drublick by No Effects deserves to go into can- canon. The way we do this is only one album per band gets to go into the ultimate universe of punk rock, as chosen by me and Hambone. You get final say. Let us know what you think. Let us know whether it should be uh, Punk and Drublick, or maybe we should revisit later and do White Trash, Two Heaps, and a Bean. Uh, I'll let everybody know how to vote. At some point, I promise, damn you, Facebook, why did you make polling so hard? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, also staying in the 90s with both Punk and Drublick and Bad Religion, Allison says she loves my segues, that they're, like, absolutely amazing. Uh, I've never thought about it. I just do segues because that's what you do. Isn't that nice? She's like, you know. 90210. I've got thoughts. I've got feelings. I want to hear all your thoughts. I will talk less this time, even though I have a lot of notes what are your thoughts on the new 90210? I think you should go first because I got some real offbeat thoughts. Well, offbeat is a perfect way to describe the show because I've never seen anything like this. Look, I wasn't excited to see a reboot of 90210. This is the second time they've done something like this. Failed the first time. This time, like, do I really want to see uh, new people in this in the in the 90210 spot? And it turns out it was gonna be the original cast members. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a chance. Then Luke Perry died, and I'm like, oh, now I gotta really give it a chance just for nostalgia's sake. You know, I feel like I owe it to Luke Perry right. to watch 90210, even though he's not on the show and probably wasn't gonna be on it anyway. What I ended up watching in the first episode was a fever dream. It was the strange, so I had no preconceptions or knew nothing about what this was going to be about. I assumed it was just going to be the kids of the people we grew up with and new 90210, new West Beverly High, knew everything, but still keeping the heart and soul of the characters. And instead, we've got this insane narrative where the characters, the actors play themselves or weird variations of themselves completely just blown out of I'm just oh my god it's so weird their their families on the show so they're playing themselves Tori Spelling's playing Tori Spelling Shan is playing Shan Doherty Ian Ziering West Orange born and raised is playing Ian Ziering however their families on the show and they have families are not their real families they're not even like the same did you know that that's not their real families oh I know so it's only in the meta of like their own lives and it's just 
and they're being just intertwined together on this like Beverly Hills 90210 like convention. It's like this 90210 con. So they all meet together and a lot of the same feelings come back and the anger and the aggression. I don't know. I didn't follow the behind the scenes 90210 stuff. So I don't know if David Silver, the real person of uh, Brian Austin Green, really was with Tori Spelling or not in real life. And maybe there is some weird. It's just weird. It's fucking weird, Hambone. And I just don't know what to even think about it. I. I give a ton of credit to the careers of this show and Fox for trying to do something so outside the box that 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 it, it I can't say it's bad. I don't. But at the same, you don't give them credit. Nothing like this has ever been tried before. I don't give them credit because they didn't go far enough outside the box. You think it's a fever dream. What would you have done? Mist- oh, God, it's the 90210 Dungeon Master. Go ahead, Hambone. So I was watching it. And I'm thinking to myself, the way it's set up is so perfectly. They didn't need to go with a reunion. They set it up perfectly for a murder mystery. Think about it. Watch the episode again and watch as the 90210 reunion. The first episode or the second? The very first one. The way it's set up, they're in the fever dream, they're in the peach pit. They see the figure coming through the door. Tori Spelling wakes up screaming because she thinks Shannon Doherty is coming through the door in the fog. Everything that they do sets up as if someone is coming back from their past to murder them to the point where, and now listen, I will tell you, we were very sorry to hear about Luke Perry's passing. And I do not want to say that anyone in this moment, even though they are actors, was being disingenuine. However, when they were like doing the thing, like, oh, it's good to be here again. It's glad we all made it. And Jason Priestley goes, well, not all of us. And Fucking, I love Jason Priestley. I watch him every week on Private Eyes uh, on some Canada TV channel. I don't fucking know, but he's fucking fantastic. But in that moment, I'm like, oh my fucking God. They are setting it up as if it is a weird murder mystery. And then each one of them has kind of weird heat and weird backstories with the other ones. Like tragic, weird things happened in the past. And then you have Jenny Garth sleeping with Jason Priestley. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this again. You cheated on me. What about your wife? What about my husband? Like there's so much going on here setting up for the murder murder mystery then they finally do the panel together they're finally kind of letting their guard down and who appears on the screen it's shannon doherty oh guys i'm here i couldn't come to the thing but i'm here coming in live from this thing like building it up as if she is the fucking murderer the whole time they are building this up for a murder mystery that doesn't happen and i know who dies do you know who it should be i know who it should be shut up i know who it is tell me emily valentine no i'm gonna do you one better no they're gonna shut up man listen it's emily valentine i'm fantasy booking bro oh back up so Yes, Emily Valentine does appear, and it kind of seeds the red herring that she's the murderer after all. What about all. Douglas Emerson? No, it's not Douglas Emerson either. Wait for it, man. Come on, Scott could die in real life, too. Well, yeah, a lot of people are going to die in this, but they're all going to be trying to figure it out. They're all going to be blaming each other. In the end of the day, Shannon Doherty does show up, and you find out she's not the killer. It is Ray Pruitt all along back for revenge. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. Right? That's How what you need to let me finish. How do you talk? To the angel, he blames to him an for angel. his career never taking off because him portraying a wife beater made him uncastable in Hollywood. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think that's actually pretty good. Right? Yeah. Come I would, on. I would it is so much you. better than what you they're doing. You got so excited you caused our whole feed to all kind of get freaked out all of a sudden. I don't know what, what just happened Well, there. on the actual live feed, they'll show up on YouTube. I fully fucking delivered this theory. Hamboned. Took I, you to I, I mean, school. 
I don't know where else to go with this. I, I just, but I, some people I, would I say Ray Pruitt should deserve to die. He did throw Donna down the stairs. Yeah, well, he eventually gets killed because he's the bad guy killer. But he's the one. Wait, he's he the died murderer. in the original series? No, but he's gonna die in this this fantasy booking thing. I just you did. know I stopped watching Nine Hundred Two One Zero after uh, after the Luke Perry drug lord goes after revenge from I mean, the how, man who killed how could his you, wife. How could you watch anything after that? No, I know. It's over. So I never made it to the end of 902 yeah. now. But seriously, I fucking love Jason Priestley. Just wish you guys went in the murder mystery direction. I just threw my notes at you. I got so excited. Do you, so you have nothing else to add to it? No. That, well, that, I just gave you the perfect scenario. Are you upset scenario. at all that Tiffany Amber Thiessen isn't in it? No, I don't give a single shit about this. Once they did not go murder mystery, like they completely listen. When you rewatch this first episode, you will see that I'm right, dude. I love Tiffany Amber Thiessen as well. And you know what? I, if it's not going to be a murder mystery, I'm not going to watch it. Are you going to continue watching the show? No. I, I listen. I get my Jason Priestley fix. I watch Private Eyes on Canadian television. Really? You yeah. watched that before? You're the only person I know who's ever said that. No, it's fantastic. It's a detec- it's a detective series. Him and him and his partner, they're having a will they won't they kind of relationship. It's moonlighting, but in Canada. I don't know if I recommend 90210. Like I don't know. Like I'm struggling right now. If you like 90210, <laughs> let me know. I'm 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 torn. I feel like I need to watch more cuz it's almost like like it's it's like the struggle is real, but again, they've decided to do something so different that I feel that the creativity might be there. Maybe it might turn into a murder mystery. Should I just let you know when it does? You have to back watch everything. Uh, listen, if it turns into a murder mystery, I will gladly get out the popcorn. I will lose a weekend to it. I, you know how I like to binge TV. Come on. I will binge watch this. And listen, if you guys are listening, you're the producers of this show, missed opportunity. Just walk it back. You set it up perfectly. They're having money troubles. They're not in love with this. Oh, God. Just, just did it wrong. I am so lost right now. More, let's, we might as well keep just going with the 80s and 90s theme. Yeah. Rambo. Oh, Last Blood. Is, the, are you excited for that at all? Dude, it went from fucking 6 p.m. to 12 p.m. in my house. Trust me. I'm I, ready to go. Oh, that was... You did not need to go there, Hambone. You did not need I to did. go there. That was very strange. I feel very weird right now. I love the new trailer. Psyched. I think it does a much better job making it feel like a Rambo movie. I am very excited because I, I tweeted how much I loved it, and then Rambo, the last, the last Blood, liked it. <laughs> it wrote back. I got all excited. Yeah. That made me feel very good because I love I love Sylvester Stallone. I know he's not tweeting at me, but it's still wonderful. Hey, hey, whatever underling at his agency is tweeting, saw your tweet and liked it. So awesome. Uh, you said you've heard about the Matrix being rebooted. Is it rebooted or is it going to be a Matrix 4? Matrix 4. There's not a whole lot of information on it, but people are all excited because, listen, I am fully on board with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 3 with Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. So, look, Keanu Reeves does great stuff. I'm cool with him coming back to the well and being Neo again. Speaking of the 90s, though, I want to just touch on something real quick, if you'll let sure, me. Sure, go ahead. I watched the Jawbreaker documentary on Amazon. I didn't know there was a Jawbreaker documentary. So they apparently filmed it in 2007 and then finally released it wide, and now it's on Amazon streaming. You can watch it for free if you're a Prime member, but duh, everybody's a Prime member. So... It is the story of why Jawbreaker broke up and the, the oral history of the band and why the band eventually broke up as told by the members of Jawbreaker. It is so fucking depressing. It is like so depressing, especially because I remember what it was like around that time. Now, for those watching at home and those eventually listening on our podcast episode, in the 90s, in you know early 2000s, it was kind of shitty to have any aspirations to be a larger band because your fans would scream that you're a sellout and they would make your life a live in hell. 
because you wanted to do better or reach a wider audience. I was probably one of these assholes too very uh, very early on, but then I kind of got hip to the fact that, well, if you actually want to be serious about anything, you do kind of have to keep moving forward in a direction that's progressive. So, you know, shit happens. I saw Jawbreaker on the Dear You tour. I saw it right before the album came out, and I saw it right after, uh, within a couple months of them breaking up. And it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. That said, I know a lot of people who were very pissed off that they signed to Geffen and that the record sounded the way it sounded. And, you know, people used to get, you know, their britches in a bunch back in the day a lot about people selling out. It was very small-minded. And watching this movie was very sad to me because I was kind of brought back to that time, and I really got to see, like, the repercussions of those, you know, the people just kind of turning on their favorite band and kind of, like, the mental anguish that kind of goes into being an artist, being a creator, being a songwriter, a musician, and, like, being like, guys, we're just trying to, you know, do what we do and, you know, how it kind of destroyed them as a band. Now, granted... Blake did run his mouth a little bit, saying about a month or two before they never signed to a major label because he was talking shit over the microphone. Eh, you know, it happens. Nonetheless, like, at the end of the day, it's just rock and roll. And just seeing these people just still sad in 2007 was kind of a bummer. Now, granted, they did come back. They're back at Riot Fest. They backed the money truck up. Everyone's friends again. They're making new music. So the story does have a happy ending. But nonetheless, man, it's kind of hard to, as a musician who's done everything that I've done watch one of his favorite bands being so sad because they kind of just, you know, got shit on by everybody. Yeah. It's a bummer. So I'm not saying I recommend you go watch this movie. You should watch the movie if you love the band Jawbreaker. But just know it's not the feel-good hit of the summer you might be looking for. Because <laughs> it wasn't for me. Speaking of feel-good hits of the summer, uh, Handmaid's Tale just ended. And How's that feel good? You know, we, we talked about for, for shows that actually air week to week like Handmaid's Tale, uh, we're going to do a initial thoughts like we just did for 90210. If we make it to the end of the series, maybe not for 90210, but for Handmaid's Tale, we'll do a final recap, final thoughts. Uh, it just finished. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. They were able to take – they had a bad – not a bad season, but season two went a little – I don't want to say jump the shark, but it was brutal. There was a lot of uh, – I mean, it was literally like por- torture porn. Uh, watching some of the sequences in there. It was just aggressive to be aggressive. It was very, very... Uh, what was great about that show, just the psychological terror in that show is enough to work you over. You do not need to then do, uh, you know, actually have a woman being beaten to a pulp and, yeah, and display mess. It got really, really rough in the beginning of last season. And that became very much a, oh, we'll see how she gets tries to break free again and gets all the way to the end and then gets sucked back into the system. Uh, in this case, I think when we first were talking, I said that this one felt a lot more whole Hopeful. That hope actually does carry through. Okay. I feel like there actually might be a light at the end of the tunnel for Handmaid's Tale now. And I think we're getting to some sort of conclusion. Because I always worry that where do you go with this show? Well, because, you know, when you go dark, you don't want to keep going dark. I mean, yeah. you, you you get away with Empire once. Like, I see a person getting beaten that badly. That's a one-trick pony. Like, they're supposed to be, okay, this person, like, gets their groove back. There's a comeuppance. And we're going to get on the comeback trail. Like, I... You know, I can't go dark. All right, it gets dark. All right, it keeps getting dark. Like, I don't want to be drowning in bleakness. And I completely get that. And and look, th- look, this is the story of a dystopian future where a like weird sect of 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 
I don't know. They don't make them. They're not Christian right. They're not really saying what they are. They're like some crazy religious group has taken over most of the Northeast of the United States. Turned it. You know, the children of the world aren't being born anymore, except to a very few select group of women. They've turned to handmaids. They're raped by weird masters. It's a very strange story to begin with. Very uh, dystopian, Trumpian future. And in this case, uh, they just. It's sad. It's a very depressing, especially with where we are in the world today. It actually is a, a truth that could happen. So it makes people like my wife very, very uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable just thinking about it. But I also feel like when you face uncomfortableness, if you face uncomfort, if you face your fears, you learn from it, except this is imaginary. So I don't know where I'm going with this. But again, as I was saying, there's a lot hope, more hope in this season. There is a lot more to do with uh, her husband. Uh, and we're talking about uh, June or Fred, because, you know, you're named after your slave master's uh, uh, first name. So you're of Fred. You'd be of George. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that really got you harder than I thought it was going to get you. But you would be of George. And... Um, <laughs> And they, guy. they, you know, they, it's it's just a terrible situation to begin with. And 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 <laughs> in this case, there is there is hope. The you know it kicks off with her actually being able to liberate her infant child that would came out of kind of a weird situation. I mean, it's bad. Everything's bad. But it comes. She gets the baby to her husband in Canada. The the baby's free. There's some con- contesting whether the baby can be shipped back to this new America where it's you know horrible. You can't but send babies they, back they to also, Amazon, and they don't. And and it's and you learn. And, and now she wants to liberate all the babies. And it's about liberating all the babies. And it's about the the these handmaids rebelling. And it's just there's hope and there's excitement. It's, it's good. And I feel we're heading somewhere. Um, the, I like a good comeback the, story. The only complaint I have about the season is of June of Fred, whatever the hell her name is, is it gives so few fucks that that she's almost it almost gets to the point where like you'd be dead, you'd be hanging from the wall. I don't care if you can give birth to children. Like the shit she's doing in this season, there's no way she would recover from, and there she just seems to be getting away with a lot more. Yeah, and I, she does have a master now who. Isn't into raping her. Kind of, really, he's a guy who's like he's called the architect. Oh, sounds nice. He's the architect of that world now that they yeah. live in. But he feels bad. He created it, and now he's just trying to like help out. Try to put Pandora back in the box. Exactly, exactly what it is. And and you know it, it was definitely worth watching. If you are a lapsed Handmaid's Tale fan, if you feel last season got too dark, if you feel like you just can't handle this in this world, and you want something more uplifting, I will tell you that it might be time to revisit Handmaid's Tale. Given their chance, season three was great, and and again, I think there's gonna be a positive ending. I think in the end, good will win over evil, and and you know I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I give it two more seasons tops. Five is all I think they have left in the tank. Five's a lot for a story like that. Well, let's see where it goes uh, next week. Not next week. Next week we're going to be off. We're taking a yes. week off. Both Hambone and I have a lot to do. I've got to launch a new phone and go to Providence and do stuff out there. Hambone is going to be in Detroit. No. Where are you going to be next week? You don't know where you're going to be next don't week. Don't worry about it. Oh, Hambone. Not going to be around here. But you're not going to be here. So we are going to take the week off instead of trying to cram a crappy episode. We will be back to deep dive hard into uh, into uh, Mindhunter season two. Yes, you're gonna watch Mindhunter season two. You're gonna watch Mindhunter season I'm two. I'm not gonna watch Mindhunter. Oh, you season need two. to watch Mindhunter season two. It is so good. That, that, that's gonna be a George mission. I mean, it is. I know it's feel bad. I know I usually handle the feel bad, but that's you. So... That's your that's your move. Oh, that's your speed. Oh, you would love it though. No. 
little feel bad. You need a little more feel bad in your life. No, I don't need any feel bad in my life. <laughs> you need a little more feel I, bad. I've got plenty of feel bad. Oh, Hambone. You see, that's why you are the 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 breath of fresh air on this podcast. I'm the wind beneath your wings. You're I the know. happiness. You're the joy. Hambone. You know what time it is. It's there, time. Right? It's time, time to, to go, go home. home. It's time to go home. Hambone, how can the kids reach you? You can find me on Twitter where you are probably watching this right now at Handbreaker. I tweet about professional wrestling. I retweet tweet Ood Animals. And I talk about Dungeons and Dragons. You can find me on Instagram at John Hambone McGuire for my day-to-day adventures. You'll figure out all about how I do podcasts, snacks that I eat sometimes. I leave the house occasionally. Pretty fun. George, where can the people find you? Hey, the kids can reach me at GLK Creative on Twitter, at GLK Creative on Instagram. You can find me at cultofgeorge.com, where I have all my archive of old photos, as well as the entire series of My Tai Happy Hour. Easier to find it at mytaitv.com. All leads to the same place. We would really appreciate it if you rate, reviewed, and subscribed to the show. We've got a lot of great people out there who have been telling me different ways that they reach the show. Spotify, again, seems to be a very big way that people are getting to Thank it. Thank you so much. We're trying to play around with live streams a little bit. Today we're on Twitter or the Periscope. We're thinking about Twitch. If you think Twitch is a good avenue for us, we'll go there. We're trying to find some place for long-form uh, live streaming. I, I want yep. to do something right. I, I just don't know where it's at. Facebook does work well. It does. It's limited to our friends. Instagram Live, I don't know if I'm feeling it yet. I have no access to the YouTube. Jury's out. YouTube Live. All the HD versions are on YouTube, so definitely check it out that way. I am just very excited for all the cool stuff we have coming up for you once I can breathe a little bit at work. You'll get there. We'll get there. Hambone, take us out. Everybody remember, be nice. Aloha. Did it.